September, season three. Go, Dave. <laughs> Hello and welcome to HTWOW, the September 2020 edition, <laughs> episode 39 of High Tea with Old Waver. We thank you for being with us. This is the very special, uh, long-promised Mike Reiner episode. The legend from Dallas-Fort Worth Radio is joining us. The little podcast that fills up your podcast player every month with drunken sanity. He's joining us for, uh, gosh, like nearly three hours of awesome conversation and lots of cool tunes. So please stay tuned and tell all your friends to subscribe and send them the links and stuff. And we also want to encourage you, if you are uh, not a patron, become a patron. It's only $5 a month, and uh, you get some uh, swag in the mail, something to look forward to in COVID times, comes in your mailbox, and then you open it up, and it's HTWOW stuff. And then you also get the After Dark podcast every month. It is two-plus hours of Toby and I this wasted because we forgot to record the promo earlier, and we're doing it after the After Dark this is uh, what we sound like when we're playing tunes. We're just, we're DJing our own listening party. And it's fun, right? We had a good time tonight. Yes. You sound weird. I know. You're, in like, <laughs> you're like my, my conscience in my ear. Anyway, um, let's wrap it up and say, please become a patron. Please tell a friend about the, uh, the HTWOW podcast. I almost said the ticket because that's what Ryan said earlier. And Do I I'll, sound better now? Yeah, you sound better now. Uh, also, oh crap, leave us a review on iTunes. If you are an Apple person and uh, you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, just give us a five-star review. If you write some words, it's even better. Uh, but that really helps us in the algorithm. I don't know. That's algorithm over there. That's where that is? So you, you brought up the, the good old days at the ticket. So we should probably spend just a little bit of time on that. And I think what some people find interesting or, or unusual about our dynamic is how different it is from when it began to now. Because before I was your erasure bear, I was just some snot-nosed kid who was ruining your show <laughs> and I was part of this Gen X crew that was undermining everything that you and Grego were trying to do and so at the time I mean I I don't want to speak for you but I think you hated me and so for it to evolve from that to now me being your erasure bear <laughs> it's a long way
broadcast time in Texas. This is High Tea with Old Waver, HTWOW, the September 2020 episode, episode number 39 overall. We are coming at you live from my kitchen once again. Toby so graciously drove up from College Station today with his whole studio packed up in his backpack. And we are set up here for a very special reason. Because at long last, I think I booked this guest in January. We originally planned to have him on in May, then that moved to August, and then that moved to September. But now it's really, really happening. We are so pleased to be joined on HTWOW by the old gray wolf himself, Mike Reiner. Hi, Mike. Hey, boys. Oh, my god. So gosh. nice to be with you after all these false starts and stuff. I know. COVID and gigs and just stuff, man. Just life. But yes, we have a Texas Radio Hall of Famer, the godfather of the ticket. If you are one of the few people who listens to HTWOW who has never heard of the ticket, it's the legendary sports radio station in Dallas-Fort Worth that was the brainchild of Mr. Mike Reiner some 25 years ago. And uh, he retired this past January, and he has been doing a victory lap ever since. <laughs> And we're so it's pleased. Lasted a long time. We're so pleased that you're here. So pleased. Well, I'm. It's very nice to be here. Like I say, we've had several false starts. Those were due mostly to things falling apart on my end. I apologize for no those. No apology but I, necessary. I told you I would make it good, and here we are. You, you. I never doubted you. Never for a minute. I, I, I know that. Your word is your bond. That's right. And uh, I can't I, let my erasure bear down. I know. I knew. <laughs> I knew that you were not just stringing me along. I. I never had any doubt. And um, I don't know if you've probably never actually heard the pod, which is fine. So, for the benefit of Mike and for the benefit of people who are first-time HT Wowers, uh, just the scene set. I'm Dave also known as Old Waver, at Old Waver on Twitter. He's Toby. There he is. Hello, Dave. He's High T. He's at Toby Pipes on Twitter. And HTWOW is a song swap and a beer swap, so we take turns playing songs. And we drink beers. And uh, the beers, uh, non-COVID times, are provided to us by good friend Package at uh, 1155 PV Avenue. Um, so even though they didn't provide these, I still want to give them a shout out. Uh, and so the first beer that we have today, just to get this out of the way right off the top. So you picked this. I picked this. Man. <laughs> and I picked this uh, for Rhines because I know that this is one of your favorites. I know that you're kind of taking a break from the sauce right now, uh, but you you have gracious bit. you have graciously uh, accepted a, a taster, a little yes. snifter. Yes. Because this is Lakewood Brewing Bourbon Barrel Temptress. Ooh. I know you love the Temptress, and Ooh. you love it even more when it's aged in bourbon barrels. So this is a 12 percenter. 
So, uh, you know, even a sip might uh, make Boy. you a little loopy. So be careful Mike. over there. I might pass out at any any time. Is this a special like edition? Why is it in the fancy box in the whole? Yeah, it comes in a box. Look at that. Wow. It's 2019. Look at that girl. It's a vintage. Yeah. It's got its own box. It's got the logo on there. God. With that hiked up skirt. Yes. The only the only way to get rid of a temptation. The saucing winch that is the temptress. I know. See if you agree with this, Mike. The only way to get rid of a temptation is to yield to it. Wow. Let me see that. I can't tell you how many times over my life I've lived by those very words. God. Look at this. Was it, did it cost like a hundred dollars? No, I mean, it's, what's like, the... it's like 20 bucks. Oh, okay. It's like 20 bucks. It's not too bad. Man. It's uh, what is this? This is um, a pint and a half. They dressed it up. Good for them. Yeah. So, uh. Oh, Toby and I will get good and tanked, and Mike will. I'll watch. Yeah, look, I, I would look be at worried us puzzled that that Mike's going to get annoyed by our drunkenness. But right? I think that you're I'm so surrounded glad to be by here that I can't be annoyed by anything. You're right surrounded now. by drunk people all the time. Yeah, I am. I am quite used to it. Mm-hmm. Now uh, to show From that an early age too. Oh, that has a kick. To show that we are uh, on the same page, um, I I wore a shirt specifically. For Mike's visit today, I blew it. Uh, I wore my Fenway Park shirt, and uh, I I bought this at Fenway. Um, it was, I guess, about a year and a half ago ish. Marissa and I went, and Marissa and I felt, or, or Marissa fell ill and almost died. Had to be hospitalized with pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had tickets to uh, a Red Sox game at Fenway. I believe it was Red Sox Astros. That's the, I saw Red Sox Astros. And, uh, you know, great tickets on the third base side, lower box. And so even though she was on her deathbed, she was like, you've got to go. So I went by myself and unloaded the uh, second ticket at a severe loss. But when I got there, I wanted to buy a shirt and I couldn't in good conscience, buy a Red Sox shirt, so I bought the Fenway Park shirt. Right. And so I walk out to meet Ryan's and let him in today, and lo and behold, he's wearing his Red Sox shirt that he got at Fenway. What fortuity. That's the same one I got at Fenway, and I blew it today. I didn't know that we were all doing samesies. We are all Fenway Eskimo bros. That's right, we are. So how many games have you been at Fenway? I probably made, I think, four okay. trips up there, the most recent of which was probably 2016 or so. I'm due for another. Yeah. I lived in Boston for about six months, but I only made it to Fenway once. But it was, man, it's awesome. Is that the most, is that the your favorite? It's ball? mine. I was going to ask, because Mike is baseball Jesus, what is your favorite Major League Park? Um... There are a lot of good ones. I like Dodger Stadium. Um, I liked Wrigley as well. But there's something really special about Fenway. There is something that Fenway has that none of those others do. I know. It, It feels good in there. I mean, in every seat feels like, I mean, it's made perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's so old, but it's so clean. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. It's incredible. It's easy to get up and get a beer and come back. At least that's how I felt about it. Yeah, and I walked from our hotel, which was not a a 
near Walk. We were near the Common. So I walked all the way from the Common down to Fenway. That's a hike. It is a hike, but I just, I, I wanted to kind of take it all in. Well, yeah. I mean, whenever mm. I go to a town like that, that's what I do. I get out and I walk around. We did the subway from Cambridge to the game, and you know, you pick up more people as right. you go. Yeah. It was yeah. slammed. Everybody, the wearing, their, everybody was wearing their awesome. gear. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, well, and, and that's what happened to me is that I kind of got turned around. You know, I'm looking at my GPS, but it's not updating, you know, in real time, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure which direction I'm going. And then I see a guy in a Sox jersey, and I'm, I just follow him. That dude. I'm like, that's, that's my that's guy. That's the way you do it. <laughs> that's the way you do it up there. Yeah. They're all going to the same place. Yeah. Chicago was the same way. I didn't make it into Wrigley, but we just wanted to hang out outside because we were in a bar and we saw all the people walking by and we were like, well, let's just follow them. And we just went to the front and just hung out, but we couldn't get tickets. You know how that goes. Yeah. That's a pretty incredible place too. Yeah. That was fun because it was just more and more people as you go. And then right, right. at the end, it was really cool. The, cool. Cra- the crazy part about Wrigley is how when you scalp tickets that the bleachers are the most expensive ticket to buy on the you know secondary market yeah what about the ones that are in wrigley that are on that roof are those sold tickets or is that just some company that owns you know the outside yeah i think most of those are like you know like box seats or something like that like private owners not owned by the club yeah i think so i could be wrong about that but i think i think most of those are pretty well spoken for now, there is one baseball experience I will tell you about that does rival Fenway, but in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. And that is PNC Park in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. That town's pretty incredible. Yeah, that town is pretty incredible. It gets a bad rep for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, I guess just because it, it is like a industrial steel city. Well, so you think it's that, like dirty and smoggy. I was talking to someone about Pittsburgh last night. Yeah, and that, that's the way people think of it. But it's and beautiful. That's it's beautiful. Direct, yes, it is. It's absolutely gorgeous. PNC sits right across from where Three Rivers used to sit, which is where the two rivers come together to form the Ohio River. Mm-hmm. And you sit in there at night. They've got. They've done a lot to their downtown area. And at night, it's all lit up real nice. And you know, usually the weather's not too terribly warm or too terribly muggy there. It's really pleasant out. You got the rivers and everything. The park's real nice. It's not real big or anything like that. And it's just a fabulous baseball experience. It rivals Fenway. How me. old is that one now? Was that around 2000? Um, it was after the ballpark, right? Yeah, yeah, it was after the ballpark. It's probably, it's probably 10 to 15 years old, somewhere around there. Have you been able to tour uh, Globe Life Field? No, I'm practicing the same theory that I applied to the ballpark. When the ballpark was first built, I was a very lowly media intern who went to all the (laughs) Ranger games back then. Uh And they would offer us availabilities to go over there as construction was going on. And they'd give us hard hats and, and get the architects and engineers and stuff in there. And they would tell everybody what it was going to be and I was real interested in doing that but then I got to thinking I really think that I want my first time in there to be to see an actual game so I never with did fans yes with fans in in this scenario yes, uh, yeah in this scenario that's 
kind of a foreign concept in view of recent events, but they did have those once upon a time. Right? Yeah. That's weird. I, I do yeah, feel like is baseball is the sport that when you do, when you walk up and you see the field for the first time, just like Finn. Yeah, it gives you chills just thinking about it. Even the Astros' yeah. new stadium and all that, when you finally see it, you're just, for some reason, it has a thing. It's different from a football stadium or anything else. It's got a whole. Yeah, it has, it an, it has an aura. It's almost like the field is glowing. Yeah. Yeah. There's and something that's no to knock it. on football fields or football stadiums or anything like that, but there's just something different about a ballpark. It's weird. It's got to well, be some like child like throwback to when you were a kid or something, right? I don't know. I maybe it's just because we romanticize baseball and young people that are younger than us obviously just don't have that same sentimentality no, or or affinity that. for baseball. So you didn't get that. get that at a Premier League game or like a PSG when you walked out. It wasn't the same as like no. cuz I feel like that would be the only thing that might. No. I mean, if you like at Old Trafford and see the Yeah, field I could, I could see, I mean, I've only ever been to uh Goodison for Everton. Yeah, you were. And that, you know, I mean, it's 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 a nice old ground, but it's not like one of the hallowed grounds right, of right. English football. And a PSG, you know, to, when I when we went to the PSG game, I was like, I was like, man, the Allen High School has a better stadium than this. <laughs> it cost them a lot of money. <laughs> Allen High School's got a better stadium than a lot of. Them. Was that the one they had to do twice? Yeah. What was the one? Was that Allen? Yeah, I think when, when Randy Cody uh, <laughs> didn't put enough rebar That's in the right. cement. That's yeah. Right. I don't know. Uh, All right, so we will uh, perhaps get back into sportsy topics later, but let's get to music, and let's kick it off with the first jam, and I always kick it off, and and, uh, I mentioned this on the last pod, when we uh, asked Mike about doing this and explained the format to him, you know, we play six songs on the regular pod, and then we play 12 songs on the After Dark, and uh, so... With the six songs, we could either let Mike pick all six, or let Mike pick four and we each pick one, or we could just be democratic and we could each pick two. And Mike was like, well, it's your podcast, so why don't we just all do two? So I always kick it off. Then I think we should do Mike next, and then Toby third, and then we repeat. Does that sound fair? It's such a good good? plan, Dave. Okay, so I have the new stuff. I always bring the new, or most most often bring the new. And um, I'm not like the biggest fan of this song. It's not like this song blew me away, but I couldn't not play it because it's a new single by New Order. This just came out a week ago. And originally, it was supposed to be released to coincide with their North American tour with Pet Shop Boys. Oh my. It was just, uh, oh my. it was like two, two Fridays ago, I still had the notification on my, uh, my iPhone calendar that we were supposed to go, Marissa and I were supposed to go see uh, that show in Chicago. They'll just reschedule that. Yeah, right? well they rescheduled it for 2021. Okay. Um, you know, but, it was just a, a painful COVID reminder when I saw that <laughs> notification in my calendar, like Pet Shop Boys and New Order is supposed to be tonight, but we're going to have to wait a whole nother year. 
But uh, yeah, so they decided to uh, put out a single um, to promote that tour. And then when the tour didn't happen, they were like, well, let's just put out the single anyway. And it's, it's a, I guess for New Order, somewhat political song. Um, you know, it's, it's about individuality and being yourself and, um, you know, themes that they talk about often, but there's, I guess, a little bit of, um, you know, nod to the present day in this song, but it's called Be a Rebel. And like I said, it's not, uh, their best song, but it's their newest song and it's New Order and they're fa my favorite band of all time. So I wanted to play it for Rhines because I'm your erasure bear. Yes, you are. And I felt like I had to bring the synth. Yes. And I would have been disappointed with anything else. I know, right? And so they, they released two versions, the, uh, the full version and then a radio edit. But we're going to listen to the full version because got it, to. It's, got got a, to. it's got a full uh, synth uh, breakdown. Like they, they, they milk it at the end. And so hopefully you guys will dig it. Let's play it. It is New Order, Be a Rebel on HTWOW.
What do you think about that, guys? I think that's very, very New Order-ish. <laughs> it sounds it like, is, and it, I loved it. It sounds like New Order. We were talking, like, do they ever just go, hey, like, does Bernard or Bernard ever call the other guys and just go, hey... Uh, I, I've been messing around with the acoustic. Yeah. <laughs> I bought a banjo. I think we should just try it just, just once. We should try this thing. But they, no matter what they do, it just, even when he did the um, electronic with uh, Johnny Marr, mm-hmm. it all sounded like New Order stuff. Right. Well, and that was the thing that a lot of people said about this when it first came out on, on the Soch was like it sounds more like an electronic song than a new order song. It did kind of I kind of kind of get that. Yeah. I kind of get that. What's your what's your new order pedigree, Mike? Um I probably need a little bit of help with it. I've never gotten real deep into it, but as is the case with so much of that stuff, the more I listen to it, the more I dig it. You just know the hits? Yeah, pretty much. You've, you've not done like a Front to cover no, album no, session. I, I never have with them. Front to cover. Well, I, and for anyone listening, if you uh, are a P1 and you heard me do the Musers Bands of Your Life, have you done that, by the way? Yeah. You have? Okay. I have. You, you were one of the first, weren't you? I think I was second or third. Okay, I, c- I couldn't remember. I was. Yeah, everybody's like, forgotten. I was, like, <laughs> I was like 20th after Lisa Loeb bumped me. But, oh, man. <laughs> But uh, for anyone that listened to that, New Order was the band that I love in their list. And uh, so if for you and anyone listening that is not a a huge New Order fan, uh, first thing you need to listen to is Substance. Substance came out in 87 and it's uh, all of their singles and their Mm -hmm. B-sides all pulled together in one collection because... New Order were one of those old school bands that didn't believe that singles should be on the album. That you release a single, but you and don't you, put it on an album. Right. That when our fans bought the single, so when they buy our album, they should be getting new songs, not the song that they already bought. So they have a very punk mentality about you know not putting their singles on albums. Um, so listen to Substance first because that's all the hits, and then Essential B sides. Um, second, you got to listen to Power, Corruption, and Lies, because that's when they really became New Order. That was 83, mm-hmm. um, because that was their second New Order album after they, uh, you know, Ian Curtis killed himself and J- Joy Division became New yeah, Order. Did you ever get into any Joy Division stuff? That's a little... No. Yeah. No, I didn't. That that, was... That's, that's a I mean, more, you know the hit. That's the... a more challenging listen. But yeah, Level Tear Us Apart is probably the song. It's yeah, still, yeah it, that I know. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's you can see the new order in it right away, but it is, you know, it gets a little depressing. Yeah. <laughs> There's some stuff in there. Yeah, I mean, they're important, but they're not import, as important to me as New Order. And then, um, so, then pretty much from there, you can go to Low Life, which was, what, 84, 85? That sounds that's, right. That's another perfect record. And then my favorite, <laughs> then my favorite New Order record was Technique in '89. Uh, so those four records are what I would say are essential listening for yeah. a, a New Order primer. What made that one your favorite? I guess probably because I was in high school, 
and I listened to it, the cassette in my Hyundai Excel now, did you about have, a million times. Did you have that one first and went back? Because you were, in 83, you were Metal Dave. No, in 83, I was like Michael Jackson Thriller Dave. Oh. I, I was, you know, I was just a dumb elementary school kid in 83. Yeah, you were what, eight? Uh, I was... Are we doing math? I was 11. Or maybe oh. four? I was 11. <laughs> I was 11 in 83. Yeah, you wouldn't have been in so, yeah, so I didn't I didn't have older siblings. So around 8, 9 you kind of went through your Joy Division phase. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, look, I can't get into New Order right now. Yeah, I just I mean, I like the music, but yeah, I just yeah. can't get into Ian's style yeah, of singing. I'm so sad about it. I can't really get into New Order. Um, yeah, so 89 was uh, was my high school days. And yes, that's when I really got into New Order and then I went backwards. Okay, yeah. So, you're correct. That's usually the way it goes. All right. Um, before and that's we, okay. It's a per- perfectly legitimate way to do it. That's hey. It doesn't the, matter. The stuff what, I end up loving is I find out about it and then go back. Yeah, yeah. That's, you don't have to be first, and you don't have to listen to it in any particular order. You just like what you like, mm-hmm. and you discover it how you discover it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No and judgments. It's, it's great if you end up liking something, and then all of a sudden you have ten records to listen to that you didn't even know about. Right? You know, when I was coming up, all this stuff was, you know, just starting to appear and all these bands were just starting to pop and, and it was all, for most of them, chronological Mm -hmm. for me. You know, there are very few of them that I would get into three or four albums in. Usually if I was into them, I was into them on some level from the start. Now, maybe along the third or fourth record, they would develop and grow and turn into what they were going to turn into, and then I'd really get into them. That'd really grab me then. Mm-hmm. But there's a pretty good chance I was into them from the start. That's well, nice. and and so your favorite bands, like like Petty or like Steely yeah. Dan, yeah. Um, back in those days, were you a completist? Like you had to have everything that they put out, or did you cherry pick and say, I don't like that album? You know, that only has like two songs that interest me, so I don't I don't care about that one. I was pretty chronological with Steely Dan. I was brought into Steely Dan from the first time I heard Do It Again on the radio. And I thought that, you know, it's really a neat song. But then they followed it up with even a, a better song, Reeling in the Years. And I thought, wow, this album has two great songs on it. I better see what else is on there. And I went on and got the album, and as it turned out, I loved, seriously loved, every song on there. I mean, it's good from stem to stern. It was like nothing else out there, and I was kind of hooked right then. They're so good. Yeah. Now, Petty was a little bit different. Um, I remember hearing American Girl and Breakdown, but I didn't buy in until... 1979 when Damn the Torpedoes came out. And by then, I was working at the zoo, so I was knee-deep into all that stuff. Was that a Jimmy Iovine was Damn the Torpedoes? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was the first Jimmy Iovine yeah. record they did. Did you ever get to uh, take home test pressings from the zoo, or were you too far down on the pecking order to get any free stuff? Um, I was pr- pretty much too far down. It all got... All that stuff got plucked off well before it got to me. Right. <laughs> but I remember when Damn the Torpedoes first came out, the song that really drew me in, you know, we'd been playing the single, Refugee. Mm-hmm. But then the album came out, and all of a sudden there are these other songs that, that 
they're playing and adding to the to the playlist. And the one that really drew me in was "Here Comes My Girl." Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that was a great the one, one. That was the one that that I mean, even today, whenever I hear that song, it's very easy for me to put myself back in that place and remember hearing it for the first few times and just going. Man, this is good. It's so unusual too because it has the weird kind of talking verse. Yeah, like no one was doing that. No, nobody was doing it, and and that's another great thing about it. Somehow he made that work. What year was that? Was the damned? That would have been seventy nine. Oh my god, man! I remember Refugee as a kid. Just that was such a huge deal. Like that's the first time I heard of Petty. I was, I guess, eight, and everyone knew every word to that song. What what grade was that? Eight years old. What is that? Third, third grade. Yeah. yeah, man, it was so huge. That was it was. Sorry, massive. don't mean to, don't mean to, you know, we're old, so we don't want to make you feel way old. That's okay. No, refugee was a There's hit. There's not that a was... day in my life when I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you I said. I mean, if it's getting all the way to a third grader, that's a massive. Record. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. huge. I mean, yeah, refugee. I I think there was a. <laughs> I think we've talked about. Can you can you hear the cat? It's okay. We'll be. Up. <laughs> Did you put Fiona up or uh, Natalie up? Oh, she wants your food. <laughs> Sorry, we have a we have a kitten that is the most high maintenance needy kitten in the world. Which one? Natalie. Oh, Natalie. Natalie and Bruglia. Yeah. But she uh, she either wants food or to be held all the time. So you're not gonna go with trying to teach her the to use the toilet? No, that's over. You know he did that. Yeah, that one. That one he. That tried one to teach. used the used the toilet for about three months and then gave up and started peeing and pooping all over the house until I got a litter box. There's like a kit. You get a kit and teach him how to. Does that ever take with cats? I mean, I I know people that have had success. And that that's what their cats just, that's what they do. They just use, they don't ever give up. No. And, the, and as a matter of fact, the, they, they call you and want you to watch them do it. Like they want an audience. They want you to. They cry. I can't until get you, my head around they that. They cry and you come into the bathroom and then they do it. I mean, I want to see it. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't? kind of want to see it a little bit. All right, so Mike decided that he was going to spring his selections on us. And so uh, I am uh, running the show over here as far as uh, playing the music. So what do I need to look up and add to our playlist here? Um, you need to look up Calexico. Ah. ah. What's tune? Alone Again or... This song came to mind when the Laurel Canyon documentary came out on Epics mm -hmm. a few months ago. That was really good. That was really good. And if you want to watch something on Laurel Canyon, Laurel, the whole Laurel Canyon scene's kind of becoming a thing out there these days. After um, Echo in the Canyon, after that movie came out. But if you really want to rock and roll with this thing, and if you really want to get the vibe of what the scene was really like, and you want to do it without a lot of people, you know, singing those old songs right. and just get to the story, right? then look at the documentary, Laurel Canyon, A Place in Time is the title of it. 
It's on Epics and it's out there in certain and several other places as well because they get deep into this and it's warts and all. I mean, Laurel Canyon had a pretty dark side. Yeah, uh, all that stuff back then. You know, I think the whole peace and love movement, all that stuff had a dark side. Yeah, it did. Really... It did. You know, it, uh, there was a lot of exploitation going boy, on in those days. Yeah, and on the was. surface, it all sounds groovy and happy, and we all love each other and everything like that. But I bet people don't know that uh, one of the guys hanging around. Laurel, the Laurel Canyon scene was a guy named Bobby Boussoulet, mm-hmm. who was part of the Manson family. Oh, yeah. God, and he was said weird. to be in the grassroots, even. Right? Yeah. But It was like everyone that lived in that little... Have you ever seen that map? You know, when they oh, show yeah. the map of oh, where yeah. everyone is, and you're just like... So you just walk out the door, yeah. and everyone ends up being famous for either good stuff or bad stuff yeah. later on. And I'm so I mean, eating, up, eating up with this place that every time I go to Los Angeles, for whatever reason, I got to take the drive through there. Yeah, even and though, it's nice. It's a weird drive, but it's not. Yeah, and even though it's, you know, today nothing like it was then. But still, mm-hmm. just to think that on those streets is where it all happened that has a almost addictive, magical lure for me. Every time we'd go to Cowboys training camp, on a day off, I would grab a car from somebody and head up there and do it. So and back then, was that like, did they mention it? So that must have been the affordable place to live. Yeah, like it, it was. was. Yeah, it God. was. But I mean, now it's not. It was just, just a hippie enclave that nobody so thought cool. anything of, really. It's anyway. crazy. And so Calexico is on the soundtrack of the dock? No. What's the tie-in? The tie-in here is one of the groups that was around back then was a group called Love. I see a little glimmer of recognition here. That's good. A lot of people ripped off Love. Yes. uh, We'll get into that maybe after. Love was a four-piece band. They were unique because there were two black guys in there. And was, was it four or five? Well, anyway, they had two black guys and the others were all white guys. They were one of the few integrated bands at the time. And as it, as it turns out, the two black guys were pretty much the driving force of the thing. They were the main guys in there. Arthur Lee is one of them. Mm-hmm. And he wrote all the songs and sang them and everything And before he dissolved in a LSD-induced haze and was pretty much never heard from yeah. again probably one of the most underrated bands of all time yes I mean, no one hears i, I have no band. idea who they are well a- after dark we need to we're gonna we'll play some yeah dig into love a little you're okay. going to all freak right. out when you hear it how many people rip them off yeah like it's a full-on thing they had three hits one was my little red book which was their biggest their second was a crazy-ass dip into psychedelia called Seven and Seven Is. And their third was what we're about to play here. This song was not a real big hit. But I cannot swear that I could make up my 50 favorite songs of all time and find a way to not fit this thing in somewhere. This is the version that was a cover by Calexico of Seven and Seven Is. And so how did you come across this version? Um, heard it on the radio one day. I think it must have been on satellite. 
Okay. And were but, you like, they're doing a cover of... Yeah, oh, of, awesome. of Alone, Alone Again or. And, and it's a real straight-on cover, too. Have you dove into Calexico much else? I've or? heard... Yeah, I've heard a couple of their other things. Like yeah, them. yeah. I mean, I remember when they first came out, you know, they were kind of not really alt-country, kind of Americana. They had just, you know, like that American West yeah. imagery. yeah. And they had a cool sound, and I remember liking them back in the day, but I really have never listened to them since. I haven't kept up with them. I don't know anything about them. Yeah, I, I have no... I mean, I know the name, and I know songs from them, but I'm glad they're doing a love song. Let's roll it. Let's see how faithful this is to the original version. This is Mike Reiner's HTWOW selection, Calexico, covering love, Alone Again, or...
Mike. There you have it. That's wow. So great. I love the hand claps. And that's so great. I know. And I forgot they had a trumpet player. <laughs> so great. Well, I'm glad you liked it. That's love that really song. good. Oh, yeah, we might need to go down a, a love wormhole on the After Dark. That'd be fun, right? That's their, uh, that's their number one play on uh, the Spotify. For Calexico? Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> Did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, I was, I was just going back to try and see what year that was. Is Love even on Spotify? Would they be on Spotify? I thought Let's see, that was, a, that was a 2004 EP. Convict Pool. That's a deep cut, Mike. That's a deep cut. Wow. No, I'm trying not to bring disappoint, it. No, boys. you're bringing the heat. This is crazy. Wow. Mm. Did you guys have any other cleanup on love? I know you guys were you no, guys you guys no. were you guys were musician riffing on love across the table. I know. I didn't there, wanna... there is a lot to unfold with love. They were a huge influence on a lot of people, but we don't need to. What are we doing? What are we, Martha Quinn? Yeah. What are we? What we are we? Do we're we need to do, wow. do we we're need to get into wow. that right now? Um, so before the, the previous two nights, before Mike joined us here for the taping of HT Wow, two very big nights in the life of Mike Reiner because you had the two night premiere of Not in This Town, The Improbable Rise of the Old Gray Wolf, a documentary about you it premiered uh wednesday and thursday night at the granada they did it social distance style i'm sure everyone was very responsible but how cool was it and how weird was it to see your life on screen i can't tell you i can't begin to describe what it was like i mean it seemed like it was happening to somebody else it couldn't have been me yet I looked up there at the screen, and there I was. <laughs> now, what what percent of the screen time was the interviews that you did for the doc? Like, how much of what you how saw... How much of on, actual me is in there? Yeah, how much of actual you is in there, and how much of what was on the screen was a total surprise to you? Um, well, I'd seen the finished product for the first time a couple days before. So I knew what was coming down, but there now, was... Is that so you could okay it? No, like, no, no, uh, no, no. There wasn't a... No, okay. no, I mean, it was... Uh, you he, he, he had to make sure... We like, do hey, everything! Hey, don't mention this one bit. That's too weird. There were a couple of things in there that I could have done without, <laughs> okay. but, you know... There always I, I was trying not to exercise too much editorial control. I wanted Good. it to be warts and all, you know? Yeah, do it. But... It's very, very surreal to watch your whole scene and see pictures of you and you were a little kid, especially when you were as dorky a kid as I was. And so it's the old neighborhood. It's yeah, old, it's the old everything. neighborhood. It's driving through the old neighborhood. And now, did you have to provide like a lot? I guess you have to provide a lot of pictures. Like you're, yeah. So you went through a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I gave her everything that. I had. Okay. Now, the filmmaker... Yeah, Crystal Vasquez. Okay. Mm-hmm. CD Wonder Films, or CV Wonder Films. She is the one who did it. She did a terrific job on this, I must say. That girl worked her ass off on this. 
and she treated me right and came up so big for me and I'm really, I will forever be in debt to her for this. Does it take a kind of 30,000 foot view of your entire life or is it mostly focused on the ticket or how how was it put together? Uh, well, there are interviews with people from the scattered throughout my life. John Rohde is in there, which is just incredible to see. Uh, there are a number of other media luminaries, contemporaries, who took part in this. Dale Hansen, Brad Sham, even Randy Galloway wow. took part in it. Wow. Yeah. The old rival. Yes, yeah. that's right. How is he looking these days? He's hanging in there. Yeah? How old know? is he? Um, He's about four or five years older than me. Okay. So... He's hanging in there, though. He's he's doing all right. He's retired. I understand he lives in Alito or somewhere like that. Mm -hmm. And it takes um, act of Congress just about to get him out of his house. I bet. But Crystal went out there and he sat down with her and gave her some stuff. Wow. Man, she can she can talk to oh, some people and man, do some stuff. It's unbelievable. That's my main takeaway about this from her. That girl has no problem asking anybody for anything at any time. It's awesome. Yeah. I think when most people saw, they were like, well, if Mike's doing it, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> Might as well right. do it. If she talked him into it, I'll do it. Sure, let's go. Yeah, I, I mean, mean I, when you're doing something like that, you have to be persistent and fearless and not afraid of rejection. Yeah, yeah. she is all those things. Because how many people will flake out in the middle of that? I mean, a million you know, everyone flakes out in the middle of that, but she just went for it the yeah, whole way. That's there, awesome. There were some who told her that they would do it, and then for whatever reason, never happened. Mm -hmm. There were some, you know, like that, but she got a good number of luminaries. I'm very happy with it. Stan awesome. Standing ovations? Um, yeah, there were, were some of those. <laughs> During the credits, just everybody. Yeah. Saluting up. Mike. Yeah. How about... Uh, People that came to the premiere, anyone that shocked you in showing up or anyone that uh, just had something to say that really stuck with you? Uh, well, there was one notable there last night, and that was the hammer. <laughs> what was, when was the last time you saw the hammer in the flesh? You know, I can't remember. I, I know since... We parted ways. We've run across each other a few times, and he's always tried to talk to me, mm -hmm. but I wanted no part of it. Right. I, I just wouldn't talk to him. So how did how did this interfacing go? Better. Yeah? Better. Yeah, he's in the film. So I was around him, you know, during the process of shooting his scenes and everything, and I had to talk to him to tell him what okay this is what needs to happen here tell him a little bit about what we were thinking what we needed for him to do and he was very accommodating and I played nice yeah I played nice and honestly I feel like some of that's starting to wear off with me a little bit yeah because you for for good reason you were you had basically turned your back. Yeah. And you were I done. I no part of You it. were done. Yeah. And so, not that there's going to be any kind of reconciliation, but do you think that enough time has passed that it's water under the bridge 
and there's no ill will? I mean, would you, you go could, that yeah, far? Yeah, I would go that far. It is water under the bridge, and the thing about me, and you may find this very difficult to believe, having been around me for a while, but I'm really not that good with grudges. Usually, a little time will fix everything for me. No matter what you do to me, no matter how wrong I may or how wronged I may feel, usually I get over it. It, it may take me a little time, but I do get over it. Yeah, grudges will wear on you, and there's it's, no reason to, uh, you know, hold on to it. It's it's a you know it becomes toxic after a while. It does. Is it because you want to just release that toxic energy from your life, or is it that you just kind of forget what you were mad about in the first place, or you know, are you just get tired of being angry? Probably a combination of all of those, but probably the former more than anything else. Like, since I'm not in the game anymore, I find myself quite the changed man on yeah. a lot of different fronts. Well, and age changes everything. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, I, I've, I've noticed that in my own life, you know, just at the age that we are now, and things that were important to me or things that really set me off 20 years ago, I could care less about now. Yeah. So it, you, you just, I think you're, you just have a, a maybe, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's different from ev for everyone, but it feels like as you age, you just, you don't have the energy to devote to people that you don't care to deal with. Yeah. You lose the stomach for the fight. Yeah. And, and it's just, it, it's easier to let things go. You have a broader view of the world and you see what's of consequence and what's not. Yeah. And you also take a look at things that, I believe this is what you were alluding to. You take a look at things that mattered to you back then and you just go, man, what was I thinking about that? Why was that so important to me? Right. <laughs> and I find myself doing that a lot, man. So... The, the film is uh, seeking distribution now. So is there any way for people to see it? Will there be any other screenings or do we just have to wait for you guys to figure out how it's going to get kind of wide release? I don't know. I don't know what happens now. We left there last night without any kind of definitive. You didn't get signed? No, we didn't get signed. <laughs> it wasn't by like South By? In a way, I'm sad to report we didn't get signed. South By was not on the scene last night, unfortunately. But awesome. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with it next. That's Crystal's thing. And if she handles that the way she handles, she's handled everything else, it'll turn up somewhere. I yeah. guarantee yeah. she has a plan. I yeah, mean, I sure. can't wait to see it. You know, I, I, we've we've been uh, Marissa and I have been you know super quarantiny, you know, not like to uh, an insane degree, but we just don't go anywhere if we don't have to. Yeah, and so as much as we wanted to, we just didn't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't blame anybody for not doing it for that very reason. But you know, this is. This is really no time for that. Sort I of know, thing. but I so very much want to see it because uh, you're a fascinating human being. I, I know that you you are you, and so you don't see yourself that way. But you know, for those of us who have grown up listening to the ticket, 
being part of the ticket. You know, you are just uh, not only the godfather of the ticket, but you're just a, a larger than life figure. And so, so many people are just so interested in peeling back the curtain and getting to know, you know, about the improbable rise of the old gray wolf. Just <laughs> <laughs> seem look. Yeah, there, I like, had to, I the had to verify this, the title. Yeah. yeah, it's a big title. It's yeah, big it title. is. <laughs> improbable is not a word that turns up in film titles every day. That's a tough one to get on well, a sign. I appreciate that. That's nice of you to say. And I really don't know quite how to respond to it because I've just spent my time on the planet just being me and doing whatever I think I should and trying to have a little fun at it along the way. You know, it's what it's all about Yeah, but, for all of us. But uh, in doing so, you have stumbled into some amazing circumstances. I have. I have done that. <laughs> yeah, and we we have plenty more to get into as far as... You know, you're, you're, we, we were talking about this uh, as we were teasing your appearance on last month's pod of just how many acts your life has had. Uh, you know, similar to, you know, not to say that you are like Paul McCartney, but when you think of somebody like that and you think about how many lives that they have had and how many different stages and chapters and just outrageous situations have occurred in their lifespan. And so we have loads to talk about. But uh, speaking of changes, let's get to Toby's Jam. Let's did do. You hear the, did you hear that? Uh-huh. Oh, what a uh-huh. svelte segue. God, that segue was... That's a pro. That's a, you I know. such a professional. I know, I know. Because uh, Toby, <laughs> Toby always brings uh, the old, and sometimes he brings a book report, and that's what you have this time. Well, I'm not going to do a book report. Because we have Mike here. Well, I know. And he's, I, I, I don't want to get into a whole yeah, thing. We're, we're I, I not know, let's go back to this book report idea. What kind of book report is this? <laughs> like, you actually read a book and talk about it? No, no. I usually will pick an artist and then really go back into their history oh, and okay. tell a bunch of... Okay. Like, I'll do one little tiny thing about this next band, Tears or Fears, which we talked about before we started, and I'm glad that you're into them. Oh, yes. Because uh, that would have been weird if he hated right? Tears for Fears. But I knew that you would like No, oh, I love Tears for Fears. So I'm going to play one old, one of their first ones, and then, uh, well, the other one is old, too, but it, you it's know. It's all old now. It's all old now. Yeah, but here's a, old now. here's a bit of trivia, and the reason why I'm going to bring it up is because I want to ask you, because you are a musician, Mike, as well. And so you had to start a band at some point. So Dave, I don't, this is going to be shocking to you. So Kurt and Roland, the two main guys that Mm -hmm. you always see in the, they had a band called Neon. They're from Bath, England. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been to Bath? Never have. I really recommend it. It is the coolest. It's in Somerset and you kind of come over this hill like Pittsburgh. Is it kind of like Hot Springs, Arkansas? (laughs) No, sir. They have a lot of baths? (laughs) No. They do have baths there. That's why it's called bath. But um, you, it's just this beautiful old English town. It seems like you have to have a lot of money to live there. It feels like that. Wealth like matters, huh? But like Peter Gabriel has his studio there. Um, it's just a wonderful place. So they're from Bath. Mm-hmm. Their band was called Neon. If you were going to guess, because this is what I love. Everyone has their first band. A lot of these English bands, when I start a report, the first people they start a band with, they all seem to be famous at the end of 
their thing. So the drummer ends up being the drummer in Tears for Fears, and there's two other guys in the band. If you were gonna guess from Bath who the other two guys in Neon were, just take a shot. 80s band had a massive, had two massive worldwide hits. From Bath, England. You never would know that they're from Bath. I didn't know. It was this whole thing was a surprise for me. Um, man. You're never gonna guess it. Should I no. just say? No. I think you should just say. Naked Eyes was in the first Tears for Fears band. Really? That makes Is total that sense, crazy? though. I mean, it does make sense, but I've known about Naked Eyes and Tears for Fears my entire life. God, I love and naked no eyes. one ever said. So those two dudes, when they're like 17, 16 years old, they were in a band together. Wouldn't you love to hear the first Neon song? Boy, I would. Did they all meet at art school? They did. They were all in art school. They right? had to have. I know. It's always That's starts, the way it was. It's every book school. report I do starts with them meeting in art school. But I thought uh, that's the only book reporting thing I'm going to do. But that's usually how the book reports start. And then we go into it. Yeah, we just read the wiki page and then we play the song. <laughs> okay, <laughs> pretty fair much. enough. But then we get into some other. There's some other stuff that I find other places. Okay, so you decided uh, from the hurting. Yeah, if you're going to kick it off, it has to be from the hurting. What is your uh, Tears or Fears? When did you ever start or start listening to Tears or Fears? I listened to them right when they first came out. Really? Yeah, I was at the zoo when their first song started to appear on the radio. Was Change first, or was it like Pale Shelter, or Mad World? Maybe it was Mad World first. Um, actually, it was it was it was Everybody Wants to Rule the World. That was the first one. Okay, so that, this that, is that, that on the that was record. the first one I heard. Yeah, okay. Change I think was the only one that made it to the U.S. because they had the. Do you remember the video? Mm. He had that silver dobro. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And you'll hear the breaks in the middle. But I love this song because I always like a song where the bridge is the coolest part of the song. Right. And boy, they really give it to you on this one. Yeah, so this is this is when Tears for Fears was kind of almost a synth pop group. Yeah, I mean, there's guitars. And I, I'd say there's got to be a real drummer in this, but there is a lot of synth. And I, I think it's uh, Ian Stanley, who is the guy that ends up he had a recording studio in his house, and that's when they really started figuring out what they were going to sound like. And he is a—he was a main part of the band, even though it's the other two guys. But you can definitely tell in Tears for Fears when he leaves. Is Just that, saying. Just, Just saying. saying. I don't want to. That's a—that's a hot sports opinion. That but is that's a hot my, sports opinion. That's my hot sports opinion. But I, I think he's a genius. But um, is this '82? Sound '81, '82. Okay. All right, so from The Hurting, the, the first release by Tears for Fears, this is Change on HD Wow. I just have to love 
feels good that feels real good that feels real good that's nice that's a good kickoff for tears of fears i mean if you're gonna have your first record as that band not as neon right but as that band that's a good not, way to not start the off. neon glow boys but just neon just no, neon. not the neon glow boys <laughs> all right now that we are halfway through the pod and I, i'm i'm not making you taste this one but it is time for our second beer because we always switch it up halfway through right and uh, I decided to keep it local because uh, in addition to the uh, Lakewood Temptress, we are doing a brand new brew from Deep Ellum Brewing Company. This is called Manic Confidence, Hazy Enough Indian Pale Ale. And uh, It's got like a Mardi Gras jam it's a, it. It's a six and a halfer. Thank, yeah, the, yeah. Thank the, goodness. <laughs> he's got his... His neck is on backwards, and he's dunking his head in a beaker, and he's pouring chemicals on top of his head. I don't know. It's strange. Manic confidence, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever had manic confidence, Mike? I never have. I have very little confidence of any kind. Man, I wish. Yeah. 
Uh, that's something Boy, I, I, do am, too. I am lacking in any confidence whatsoever. But if I had confidence, it would be Manic. <laughs> right? Yeah, I would want it to be Manic. Mm-hmm. I would shoot for Manic. This is good. I don't know. You know, I would have to, like, taste test it side by side to see how it's different from just Deep Ellum IPA. The, the maybe, less manic version? Yeah, maybe this is just a little hazier. Maybe a little juicier. <laughs> it's good, though. You it is like good. This. It's good. Okay. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice break from the temptress. Right. The temptress is really good, but, you know, every now and then. I like that we're staggering down. That'll go from that to the manic to uh, a light beer later on, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's if we okay. feel like it. If you'll let me. <laughs> okay, before uh, we get to my next jam. Um, well, I wanted to ask a question. About? Is that okay? Yeah. Are we running out of time? No, I don't think so. Um, so I mentioned the thing about the first band. So they, he started a band and they all end up being famous later on. What was your, what age were you when you decided I'm going to start a band? And were they like your fr- like neighborhood friends? Like what was the first, because everyone has a story of, all right, this was my first band and we played for, you know, some friends down the street in fourth grade or whatever. That's about the size of it. Okay. Um, they were neighborhood friends, me and two other guys, um, both played guitar. Okay. One would switch to bass in fairly short order. Were you a skiffle group? Um, <laughs> nah. well, what did you have? Did you have a, so were you, you always a, a drummer? Yeah, I'm a, I played drums. Always. Okay. Yeah. So, so they uh, up were until, the guitar players. Up yeah. until, up until yeah. later wow. life. Yeah. yeah. Until later, later life. Okay. So it was the two of them and me and that band never really got off the ground but the guy who played bass and me and two other guys got together and that probably was the first real band the first uh, really that first one was just kind of you know jamming and messing around and not even kind of came up a, with a name no no just kind of getting no, our gigs, feet, no, no gigs just kind of getting our feet wet occasionally would I don't know, call our parents in there and say, hey, yeah. listen to this. We'll play a song yeah, for you. parents always have to sit through it. What grade is this? Yeah. Um, this would have been when I was a, um, probably ninth grade. Okay. Yeah. So you had a full kit. You had a. Yeah. Just a, in fact, I still have it. You're I still have that kit. Me. Yeah. What is it? It's a Rogers kit. You're kidding me. No. And I just, um. Gave it to a guy who's got it totally refurbished. Wow. And I'm going to go over there tomorrow and play it for the first time. You're joking. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. What color is it? Uh, blue Marine Pearl. <laughs> I know none oh, of this matters yeah. to you, Dave, no, but, but I really it, want to know. But it's got to be a pearl finish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Those, man, those Rogers kick drums sound amazing. There's something to them. Yeah. Is a full-size kit? Yeah. I just, uh, you know, basic kit. Basic mm-hmm. Kick drum. Tom Tom, floor, t- floor Tom, and snare. Tom attached with yep. the arm? Tom, yep, with yeah. the arm. Wow. That's super cool. What was the name of the band? Um, That band didn't have a name. The first band that had a name was The Nobleman. Oh. Okay. God, it's and usually was... a lot more embarrassing than that. <laughs> That's pretty... uh, but that sounds very of the time. Yeah, oh, extreme, The Nobleman. Extremely of the, the time. Nobleman. 
And we all had matching shirts and stuff. Okay. And um, that had a guitar player who was the primary singer. It had um, the other guy that I mentioned before who was playing bass and another guitar player and me on drums. And that lasted for a while and then... Now are these cover songs? Or y'all yeah. Writing some oh songs? yeah. Yeah. We, we're just learning cover songs. Okay. Not, I mean, this, this no original. Not throw in like one original. Every this now. is right on the heels of Beatlemania. Okay. You know, the, the British invasion. That's what we're trying to be. Nobody thought anything about. Like, hey, let's do our own stuff. How about that novel yeah. idea? That was very, very far fetched back then. Yeah, well, even the, to even the even stuff. the Beatles and the Stones, they were doing covers. Yeah. It was just oh, kind yeah. of what everybody oh, did. It was a thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Rolling Stones, when they first came out, I loved their first few albums, but they were really not too much more than a glorified American R&B cover band. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Birds, what, their best songs are cover songs. Yeah, their best yeah. songs were Bob Dylan songs. Yeah. So what? how old were you the first time that you were in a recording studio and you actually played with a band and recorded something. That probably would have been um, when I was a junior in high school. Y'all went into studio in Dallas. Yeah. Where was it? Yeah. It was up on Olive, Hmm. the studio was. And by then, this is a whole nother band now. Right. This, so, this, this is is this third, this, or was there another one in between? Is this, this like the fourth this is, band? This is actually second. Okay. The, that actually you know played gigs. Okay, so kid band doesn't count. Nobleman, then count, this band. Yeah, Nobleman, and then the Cornerstones. The Cornerstones, yes. which is what this one was. <laughs> That's and, a good name too. And, Cornerstones are good. And we had fallen in with um, a booking agency here in town, which we thought was hey. So you're recording a record and have a booking agent. Yeah, there there was a booking agency that got us gigs. And we had a, a singer who they really liked. Uh-huh. I mean, they were really high. Was he on. dreamy? He was dreamy. <laughs> yes. He was dreamy. He was a chick magnet. And that sure does help. They saw him as a guy who might have the potential to really break out and turn into something pretty good. The only thing was, he didn't want any part of that. He, Isn't that always the yeah, way? Yeah, he's just not all in at all. He just yeah, wasn't all in at all. people want you more, so then they want you more because you don't even want it. Right, and the rest of the band's like, come on, let's, let's Jeez, do this. Let's yeah. go. And he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, I got a gig at Jack in the Box, and I'm kind of liking that. <laughs> That's so great. It, One pay, of the guys it pays in, more. This is yeah, before but, even Dollar Tacos. Oddly, one of the guys in that band is still in the game today. What's he doing? He plays with Emerald City and has for like probably 15, 20 years. What does he play? He plays guitar. Really? Yeah. Man, those guys, they get paid a lot of money. Yeah, they do. That's a great Adam Palma there. They make their nut on New Year's Eve. Wow. So he started learning all of those cover songs and went with it. Yeah. Okay, wow. And he was a very different guitar player from most of the other guys that were around back then because most of the other guys 
we're learning Cream and Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that, and he could play that stuff. Uh-huh. But he was into making really nice, big, fat, jazzy-sounding chords. Awesome. And he was into playing rhythm. He was a fantastic rhythm player. I love playing drums with him playing rhythm guitar because a lot of rhythm rhythm guitar players are just kind of clunky. Yeah. And they'll they just muck up the works. He did. Oh, if they he, can fit in the pocket. It's he just he well he did that and he just kind of floated along on top of everything. He was a great player. Still is. That's so great. So how many bands after the Cornerstones was the band that did not let Stevie Ray Vaughan in the group? Actually, that was that was before the Cornerstones. That was between Nobleman. And Cornerstones, when I was messing around with these other guys, and uh-huh. I thought we kind of had something because we were practicing and it seemed like it was going pretty well, but then the guitar player couldn't do it anymore because his parents wouldn't let him. So the way you did it back then was you put out the word amongst your friends. There was no Facebook. There was no Twitter. Mm-hmm. There was none of that stuff. There was an enemy. <laughs> yeah. That, there were bulletin boards yeah, and, there were and bulletin telephone boards. poles. And, and, and just telling your friends. Mm-hmm. Remember, tell a friend about the ticket. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. This is tell a friend you need a guitar player. Right. Okay. That's awesome. So we went around doing that and put the word out. Hey, we're going to be practicing at Back at, at the Thrifty Nickel? Yeah, at such and such place, at such and such time. And if you're a guitar player and you want to audition, show up. Where was the practice place? Did y'all have to... Was the it practice like... place was my parents' garage. Okay, I was about to say, so there wasn't a practice facility no, for no, bands. No. I, I would've, that would have been uh, pretty uh, crazy. Okay, uh, uh. good. Did, did your dad need a lot of convincing to let you use the garage? No, he was pretty good about it. He, he was better than... You know, given everything you probably know about him, most of which is true. Right. He was, he he went along with I it don't want well. your hippie friends around here. <laughs> That's a myth. That's a myth started by Corby. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he went along with it okay, and we're over there practicing one day, and guitar players are showing up, would run them in, do a few songs with them, and, and just tell them, okay, well, take you under advisement, let you know. And then this car pulls up, and this kid gets out of it. And he is carrying a guitar. No case. That's he a, has, he that's has a bold move. He has no amp. And I recognize him right away as Steve Vaughn, uh-huh. Jimmy Vaughn's little brother. Yeah. Because if you were in the game at all back then in Oak Cliff, you knew Jimmy Vaughn. He Jimmy, was what dude. was his band at that time? Um, the first band that I was ever aware of Jimmy Vaughn being in was a band called The Pendulums. They were really good, and they were playing around and everything. They were a three-piece band, him, bass, drums, and they were doing all right. But then there was this other band around called The Chessmen, and The Chessmen were known... Were they prim- rivals of the noblemen? <laughs> <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> Might have had a few scrums with them right? from time to time, yeah. except they were like way, way better than we ever got. Anchorman type scraps. Yeah. 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 But they're pretty big. You I know? think I've heard of the Chessmen. Yeah, you, you probably have. I they don't had, know why. They had a couple of songs that got played on the radio mm-hmm. back then. I'm sure Wolanski has everything they ever put oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah. there, there's no doubt that he does. <laughs> he, and he can give you the whole rundown on them. But they were primarily known because their drummer, Doyle Bramhall Sr., uh-huh. was an absolute son of a bitch when it came to playing drums and singing. 
and he could sing just like Ray Charles. And he would sing Georgia on my mind and people would just go nuts. Every time he did it, the guy was just incredible. It still to this day is the craziest. I, I don't understand brain. Can you do the sing and drum thing? Yeah, yeah, I could. I just can't see how all of that happens. You know, when you play guitar and sing, you're just playing guitar and hitting chords and you sing, right? I just don't know how drummers can, it's so important to have the beat so solid, how you can sing how is that possible? Right, when you're exerting yourself. Yeah, well, the fact that I could kept me in the game for a long time. God, that is... You have to have big brain to do that. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so Steve Vaughn shows up holding well, his me, guitar let, by let me, the neck. Let me finish the, the Chessmen oh, story. Sorry. Oh, okay, sure. So the Chessmen were pretty big, and they were starting to play, you know, groups... Like when a big group would come in, but there would be no opening act. Well, whoever was promoting their show would call you know somebody else to to open up and frequently they call the chessmen and the mm -hmm. chessmen was getting gigs at places like market hall and luann's and sometimes even memorial auditorium wow. which is about as big as it got so is that the um so what's the club that y'all are practicing in the garage and like someday we'll get to this club and not Memorial, of course. Yeah. Like, what is what was the main club in town? It was it was Luann's and the Studio Club. Okay. That's what all the other bands were shooting for. Where were they? Where where is that? Um, Luann's is, was over by, it was up on Greenville Avenue at Greenville and Lovers Lane, okay. where Old Town is now. Mm -hmm. And then later on, once they built Old Old Town, Luann's moved, and their new place was where Central Market is now. Really? Yeah. And the studio club was where the California Pizza Kitchen is on uh, Northwest or Preston, just a little south of Northwest Highway. All right, that's awesome. I love to picture that stuff. But anyway, go ahead. So the Chessmen. So the Chessmen, they were rolling everything, but then one of their guitar players drowned in White Rock Lake. If you can he, imagine. What wow. was he doing? I don't know. I don't were know. Too, surfing on the spillway? I don't know. I don't know too much about the circumstance, but I think they were out on some sort of boat or canoe or something in White Rock Lake, which I guess you could do back then. Uh -huh. And he fell overboard and couldn't swim and wound up drowning. So they wow. needed a guitar wow. player and they found Jimmy Vaughn. And Jimmy joined the Chessmen, which made his legend even larger than it already was. Well, soon enough, the Chessmen got tired of doing the hits of the day and blues was coming in. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy was learning blues. And if Jimmy learned blues, that meant Steve learned blues okay. too. What's their age difference? Like three, um, three, four years. Yeah, three, four years. Yeah. I, I know Stevie and me are were three years apart. Okay. But they started learning blues, and they moved to Austin. They changed their name to Texas, and then changed it to the Storm. And once they were down in Austin, the whole thing kind of dissolved. Jimmy stayed down there and. Started playing with Luann Barton and people like that and wound up in the fabulous Thunderbirds. That's right. And, and, and Stevie eventually <laughs> matriculated down there too. God, man, that but, is so amazing. But he came in to audition with us that day. What'd y'all play? Do you remember the song? Uh, well, we came in there and... See, like 13, 14? Yeah, something like that. Jesus. Which was another thing, you know, we were 16, 17, we were starting to play places where 
you know, we were underage, but still we could get in and play. Yeah. You know, where they had liquor yeah. and stuff and beer and, and chicks. Yeah. Boobs. Yeah. All that good stuff. All that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, he shows up and we just happen to have another amp over there for him to play through. He plugs in. And I say to him, what do you want to do? He says, well, let's do a blues shuffle in A. So, okay. We play a blues shuffle in A. And right away, it is clear that he is way, way out of our league. Really? At oh, like yeah. 14, oh, he's yeah. just crushing it. Oh, yeah. Did huh. he have the giant hands even then? Even then. Wow. So we play that, and okay, what do you want to do next? Let's do slow blues and see. So we do that, and again, just blast it out of the park. He was clearly very well studied in blues. Mm -hmm. So we finished that, and I said, well, look, do you know any Rolling Stones? No, I don't think I do. Do you know any Beatles? No. Animals? No. So he was just laser focused on the blues. He was just laser focused. He learned the runs. Yes. And he knew how to run up and down the neck. Yeah. In the different scales. And which, which makes when he eventually collaborates with Bowie that much crazier. I can't believe that ever happened. And how did Bowie find him? Like, how did that even happen? Do you know? Um, God, I've heard that story. I can't think of all the details of it right now. It'll come to me here in I a love the pictures in the studio when they're all like standing around and Stevie's so young. It looks so cool. Yeah. Uh, I think the hookup was a guy at Dallas Sound Lab. Really? Yeah, because Stevie had done some stuff at Dallas Sound Lab, mm -hmm. and Bowie came in there to do some stuff, and it just so happened the stuff Stevie had done was rolling when Bowie came in there, oh. and Bowie heard it, Isn't that always and just way? went, holy who shit, is this? who is this? Golly. Did you ever do anything at Sound Lab? Um, no, I never did. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I hear. That it was, was a, uh, it was a, when you finally got in there, that was a moment. Yeah. That was a big deal. So whether it was the guys you were playing with or the music that you played or the time of your life, what was your favorite band from those days? Um, from those days, probably the Cornerstones was my favorite band. I mean, I'm saying uh, oh, from, just, oh, from, from oh, your from phase one, from your teen years to let's say 1980, um, but pre okay. pre zoo. Are you saying bands he was in bands? He was in. Okay. Yeah. Just what was your favorite group of guys or the favorite like stuff these that guys you played? Are gelling, this is the most fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was in a band called Gypsy Rider. It was a lot of fun because we traveled a bit. We had a lot of gigs out of town. A lot of tassels. A lot of tassels. That's good. A lot of tassels. Rhinestones. Mm-hmm. Rhinestones, too. God, that feels great. Um, Felix was fun. The oft-ridiculed Felix picture, the guys who were in that, it was a fun band because they were pretty proggy and and they didn't mind taking chances with the set list. Or, or drugs. Or that, too. Are you still in contact with most of these? Yeah, yeah. One of the guys in Felix lives out in Los Angeles now, where he's been an, an audio engineer on television shows for years and years till he retired recently. Mm -hmm. And he's still playing and writing songs and That's recording awesome. himself. He's got some great stuff, too. 
so and cool. when we would go out for Cowboys training camp every year, I'd always take a day and go see him. Really? Yeah. Man, that's great. That's super cool. That's so great. I, All right. I love to hear. I know that it's. Uh, I love to hear. I mean, we could talk about story. this forever, but we need yeah, to. We, we, we need to play some I songs. I know we need to. We need to move it I'm along. Sorry. I'm sorry. And I'm so, sorry. I didn't mean, didn't mean to bother. No, no, no. no that's me. It's I, not on. It's, I just like. It's to not know. on you. It's I think on us. We, I think we did this at Lakewood Landing one night for about two hours. Yeah, I think we did until someone came and got me and just went, "Hey, we gotta go, dude. You gotta stop whipping Mike's ass." <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you know, I just want to know. I just totally so, remember one night where we closed the place yeah, down. We definitely did. So the next thing that I am going to play is, so we, we just talked about growing up and forming a band with your best friends or putting out the word and having people show up and audition or putting an ad in the the back of uh, the green sheet. (laughs) This next thing that I'm gonna play is the exact opposite of that. Okay. Because this is a total uh, bedroom laptop uh, band and it is built on guest stars and collaborations. And we've already played a song off of the forthcoming album by this band on the pod several months ago. The band is called Gorillas, and it's Damon Albarn of Blur. It's his side project. And so months ago, we played Aries, which featured Peter Hook on bass. Mm-hmm. And it was basically... Sounded like a New Order song. It was basically Gorillaz doing a New Order song. So they've been doing this thing all during, uh, you know, lockdown of the... Um, it's called Song Machine. And so they've been putting out singles every couple months with different guest collaborators, you know. Yeah. And so uh, they just announced that they're going to put everything together into a proper album that's gonna come out later this year. And they just released the title track. So the album is called Strange Times, with a Z at the end. Strange Times. I get it, I totally get it. And the title track. I think I do. Yeah. The title track is a collaboration with Robert Smith of The Cure. Whoa. Have you heard this? I can't. How did that not come across a feed at some point? When did this go down? So this is news to you. I did not know this was happening. Yeah. So Robert Smith of The Cure. So Damon Albarn is going, he's famous enough that he can get all of his favorite growing up musicians to show up and be on his songs. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they're not showing up. I'm sure he's just sending them an email and sending them a track, and then they're just sending him a vocal take back. You don't think they're in the room? No, there's no way, especially not now. Robert Smith likes to drink. I bet that they they had a moment. You know he's into motorcycles. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But the point (laughs) is, is that the, the brilliant thing that Damon does with Gorillaz is that he books the old guys that we're into, but then he also books the kids that the kids are into. So the gorillas have this mass appeal of, you know, rappers and producers and stuff that the Gen Z is all into. And then they also do the stuff that appeals to the Gen Xers and, you know, maybe maybe yeah. older. I don't know. What about Gen to... Y? What happened to them? Yeah, what happened to those? Gen Y and millennials. They can just suck it. They don't even know anything about it. They don't matter. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We forgot you were standing. Okay, so let's uh, go ahead and uh, give this a roll. This is the title track of the brand new Gorillaz record that will come out later this year. It is called Strange Times, featuring Robert Smith on HD Wow.
So, strange times, what do you think? I will tell you this. Are you asking me or Mike? Both of you. Mike, you go first. No, you go first. Okay, I will say this. I will defer to you here. I, of course, love Robert Smith. Mm Mm-hmm. I love Damon Auburn. I kind of didn't. Was there a hook in there? There wasn't. You have to wait, like, to the halfway point before they get to it. I still, I I just don't know if it ever landed. I don't know if I heard it. Yeah, it just never landed on anything. And I love both of those guys. But I had to play it. No, you have to play it. I mean, they're they're legendary. It's Robert Smith. Yeah. Especially for this podcast. I mean, how can you... It should add up to... But sometimes, hey, if we loved everything, we wouldn't seem honest about it. Right. Right? Have you you seen The Cure? I I have. I saw them the last time they were through here. That's one of the most memorable shows that I've seen in years. There is The American Airlines Center, right? Yeah. It is. uh, They're the... Uh, have you seen Depeche Mode? Oh, of course. I've heard you talk about yeah. it. Yeah. I have seen Depeche Mode. Between the two of them, I think that they would have the most arguments of, well, I'm not playing after you. Especially at a festival. Um, who would you... I feel like Depeche Mode might win on that. Like, you don't want to play after Depeche Mode. Yeah, uh, just because of they have the, the hits and the... Big crowd interaction and the bits. synth. They have the lead singer that can do the lead singer thing. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah, I mean it's it's Robert almost it's almost like uh, Robert Smith and the Cure are almost like the the jam band of new wave, right? <laughs> they do play for a long time. They they play for a long time. I, I mean, if you if you wanted to equate them to anyone, it might be like the Dead. Because they play a different set every night, and they can play forever. And everyone knows every word to everything right. in the whole deal. Yeah, I get it. So, like, they're they're the new wave dead. I saw but the them. Depeche Mode is far more showy. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. He's got the front man thing. Yeah. It is. He might be one of the best. Yeah. That's ever been. Uh, I, I love both of those shows, though. Yeah. What? When did you see that? When was the Depeche Mode show? What? Um, probably about three or four years ago. Was at, that at the Starplex? Yeah, thing? it was the yeah. Starplex. We were at... We were at that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I bought too many tickets. <laughs> or or we were... No, we were sitting in different places and we couldn't find each other. It was... it was Something was fucked up. And but. then I think I rounded us up behind the soundboard. Yeah. So I want to know, Mike... I, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I do want to know your journey of embracing the 80s and embracing gay synth pop music because during your zoo days at the time when all of this music was happening it was the antithesis of what you liked it was something to be shunned and frowned upon and so when did you kind of revise your own history and and say you know what i missed out on some stuff some of it probably was a guilty pleasure for me back then some of it, but for the most part, the zoo turned away from that stuff because our audience was the young 25 to 34 year old blue collar guy. He wanted to rock the and guy roll. with the Camaro or the Trans yeah, Am, like ZZ Top, man. Yeah, man. That guy, you know, not that there's anything wrong with ZZ there Top. Is, there is nothing wrong with ZZ Top. There absolutely is not. But I think the thing that really turned the corner for me on this 
was being up at the ticket and being around all you guys and seeing how you were into it. And almost by default, I was forced to at least hear, if not totally absorb some of it. Right. And the more I heard it, the more I began to get it, the more I began to understand it. And over a period of time, I just came around on it. You were key to this. Thank you. Thank you very much. You were absolutely key to bringing, bringing me around on this. What was the first show you guys went to see? I mean, was it Erasure? It might have been yeah, Erasure. It probably, it, that, it, that we That we planned to be there together. Yeah. I think we ran into each other at The Cure. Yeah. But we went to we Erasure went to together. Ar- he was my date. Yes. That's I, so I sat in VIP in Ryan's seats. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did. At the House of Blues. Man, an Erasure show is, uh, there's a lot to take in there. Yeah. I, uh, I was a huge Erasure fan. Boy, the second time that I saw them, I was just like, man, this is, they're really going for it. The costume changes. Woo! There's a lot of high kicks. Yeah. Um, but still, they're so good. And Vince Clark, you know, he can't, he's a genius. So what can you yeah. do? I mean. You just love what you love. Light, lightning struck three times for Vince is. Clark. I know how many, he decides, well, every band I'm in is going to be a big deal. Right. Who I don't like this band, guy? so I'm gonna I'm gonna create a band that's just as big. Yeah. Some guys are just like that. I know. He, he man, he's just got it. So you you brought up the the good old days at the ticket. So we should probably spend just a little bit of time on that. And I think what some people find interesting or or unusual about our dynamic is how different it is from when it began to now because before i was your erasure bear i was just some snot-nosed kid who was ruining your show (laughs) and i was part of this gen x crew that was undermining everything that you and grego were trying to do and so at the time i mean i I don't want to speak for you, but I think you hated me. And so for it to evolve from that to now me being your erasure bear, it's a long way. It's a long journey. What, what do you, what do you remember about those days and how we got from there to here? Um, I remember mostly that I was just a little bit too much of a red ass back then more than anything else. I was just a little bit too, hyper aggressive i had something and i was very overprotective of it i was not terribly open to new ideas i was not terribly open to new people who i did not bring in to the scene you were very much into dues paying yeah you wanted people to prove themselves yeah i think that makes sense though. yeah and i still have much respect for those who go down that road yeah, oh, and yeah. do pay their dues, but back then it was kind of mandatory for me, and I, I don't know if it's if anything like that should be mandatory. So, from my perspective, there are two key moments <laughs> in my relationship with you, two key turning points 
can't wait to hear this. The first. Boy, neither can I. I know, right? The first one. The first one was, I think, what eventually got me the ticker job on the hard line. As brief as, as I held that position and as bad as I was at it. I think the thing that put me on your radar was the Kenny Rogers perfect game and me getting uh, guys on the phone from the locker room on with you and Mike on Diamond Talk. Because I, I was one of the stringers yeah. at that game, the Kenny Rogers perfect game. Was that 96? Um, yeah, I think so. And so... Game comes up so much on the ticket. I know, it's like the biggest day in Dallas history. And so I was just like a, a wild man trying to grab anyone and everyone to, hey, will you go on Diamond Talk? Will you talk to the guys right now? And then you know the producer back at the station would be like, you know, we have Mike Stanley on the phone right now. I don't know if he was on the team, and but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think I got like three guys on the air with you. You did some work that night. Yeah, I I, I paid my dues. Yes, you did. You and did so, some work. And so I, I felt like that was the first time that you noticed me as, as a professional human being. Probably so. And then the second thing, the second moment where I feel like our relationship evolved was... Uh, at least a decade later, probably, no, 15 years later. At some point, I wasn't working at the ticket anymore, and you and Corby were doing a, uh, a live remote in Sundance Square in Fort Worth for the Dallas Stars. I don't know what the event was, if it was like like the icebreaker or whatever it was. Yeah. Some, some kind of a PR event for the Stars. And I was with my daughter who was, you know, like four or five at the time. And I was looking for something for us to do, an activity. And I heard that you guys were live in downtown Fort Worth. And I was like, well, come on, Claire, let's go to, let's go to Fort Worth. Let's, you know, go have uh, some lunch. You know, I don't know what we were doing. I don't know why we had the day free, but I was like, let's go, uh, check out downtown Fort Worth, you know, maybe, you know, we can ice skate or whatever the hell you do in downtown Fort Worth, but then we can also drop by and see the remote. And so I brought my daughter and you guys got to break. And then I introduced her to you and Corby and just, you know, exchanged some pleasantries. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I feel like at that moment, you, your perception, and, and this is me telling myself stories, right? But I think at that moment, because you're a girl dad, and then you saw me as a girl dad, that you your perception of me changed like, okay, this is no longer the, the idiot who was terrible at tickers on my show. This is uh, a grown man who has a daughter just like I have a daughter. And, uh, you know, maybe he's a good dude. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's okay. There's probably... A good bit to that, because I do have a thing for girl dads. We're all girl dads. Yeah, he's a girl dad too. God, where's my Boston shirt? We really, I know. We really could have had a. Oh, thing we going. we could have just all crossed God, streams together tonight. Man, man, I blew it. I Boy, the mating it. we could do. I even saw it like before I put my. 
packed together tonight. Boston shirt. No, not today. What was I thinking? <laughs> it's my most comfy shirt. It's so great. Don't you love that shirt? No, I love this shirt. Sure do. Did you get it at the pro shop across the street I did. from the stadium? Yeah, that's where it sure is. Sure did. God. Well, but... Sorry, you back, know, to, I, back I to you, Dan. No, no. no I'm asking you. Like, who... Toby, who in your life has been uh, not necessarily a father figure, but a, a, a you know a mentor that you sought their approval? I'm pretty cool. You babe. you, you, you came out man. fully formed. Yeah, wow! I'm, I'm on, just what totally. a guy. <laughs> yeah, I wish that I had a, a cool story about that. But most of the uh, older guys in the record business, they're kind of assholes right uh guys that i really respect and i learned everything from but they were not father figures and they were kind of jerks well i mean it just because mike was the the face of the ticket and the founder of the ticket well he ends up being a nice guy yeah he was i mean he was a red ass at the time but he evolved into this you know magnanimous just welcoming figure and he was the person that all of us young kids at the ticket wanted to impress and wanted to get, get approval the, uh, from. Interned, like, how did you get involved with it? Well, I, I interned at BAP when uh, Grego worked at BAP before the ticket. All right, now, can I jump in here? Sure. Yeah, I would right. like to know how. Here, here is a story. <laughs> you could have very easily have been a ticket day wanter. Really? If you'd have played your cards right, which you didn't. No. And you would probably say that you were in no way wired to do anything like this. Well, I hadn't graduated by Ticket Day 1. Because Ticket Day 1 was January of 94, Mm -hmm. and I graduated in May of 94. All right, but still, the seeds could have been sown. Right. All you would have had to do is hang out with us down there on the other end and show us some of this genius which is now so readily on display every single day of your life. I know, it's annoying. I know, but I at that time, and I do remember at Old Arlington Stadium, the back of the bus. Yes. You know, you and Junior Miller and Grego. Right. I, I, there, we need to set this up for Toby. I don't know what you're talking about. Where's the bus? Do we still it, have the bus? It, it was. It was a. Uh, it was. A, it was a. Yeah. It was nomenclature. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Out of Darlington. I just wish there was a bus. There. There's no bus. Okay. Out of Darlington Stadium, there was the main press box, mm-hmm. and that was filled with writers, club personnel, and stuff like that. And they took a very dim view of broadcast media in there. And down the way, down the right field line. When they expanded Arlington Stadium for the first time, they built this box area mm-hmm. where they were going to have suites and stuff like that. Well, that never really materialized. So what they did was they took the members of the Leering Press that they did not want in the main press box and put them down there. <laughs> the back where, of the bus. Yes. The back of the, yes. okay, now the, back I get of the bus now where we were it. well out of, of view from most of those, and John Blake, who was the... And it was like a single wide. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It was, it was like a That's long... So awesome. It was just like this long press box thing, you Okay, know? so that was the party box. Yeah. And 
We were up there and there, and John Blake, who was running Rangers Media then, as he still does now. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He would look down on us with his binoculars and make sure things weren't getting too out of hand. <laughs> we, and mainly that we were watching the game, which, right. you know, we did. We watched the game. Uh-huh. Sure. But when I first started going down there and I met Grego and Junior, we very quickly became a pretty identifiable click in and this is well before the ticket was even on the drawing so board. was craig working with he was a krld at the time yeah he was a krld oh, okay. Grego was a wbap oh. and i was doing a sports phone thing if right. you can imagine gte on call right yes, gte on call and and i made it to a handful of arlington stadium ranger games uh as grego's intern okay I'm sorry, but I was just intimidated by these guys. Yeah. I I, well, I, I never insane. said a word. Yeah, that has to be insane. Well, we formed an identifiable clique, and we would sit down on the other end of the press box, well away from everybody else, and we would spend the entire game cutting up and making each other laugh. And we were probably a real, well, I know there's no probably to it. We were a real nuisance to everybody else in there, even though they were well far away from us, they could hear us laughing and <laughs> sure. you know, telling jokes yeah, and yeah. making a lot of racket and all that stuff down there. But basic, basically creating the ticket. Yes, we didn't realize it at the time, but what we were doing was, for, that, that was where the teeth were cut, pretty much. And Davey was down there on the <laughs> other end with all those other guys. And he acted like he was as annoyed with us as anybody was. What were you doing? No, it was just that I was a college kid who just didn't know my place. I didn't know what to do. I was just trying to blend into the wallpaper. And so this that's is, exactly what he was doing. So you're you're about to graduate from North Texas, right? Yeah. What year is this? Ninety four. Ninety four. Okay. Well, I guess this would have been 93. Yeah. Oh, okay. Summer of 93. This would have been before 94. Oof. Yeah. God, man, you're really doing it. I blew it. I blew it. All you would have had to do was just move down there and just kind of skulk. Right? And then when I turned around and said, what are you doing here, kid? <laughs> just say, I then, don't know, it just sounds like you guys are having fun. Do you mind if I just listen and eavesdrop? I yeah. just want some nachos. Just, I, just basically not be a pussy? Yeah, I'd have been okay with that, I think. I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have been. But you could have been, if if we would have seen, if you would have allowed us to see what we see from you now, right? then, yeah. But see, God, but... You, but you blossomed so much I know. later. Yeah, but, but even, so, but even when I got the, the ticker job on the hard line, which was, you know, maybe, I mean, that was after the, the move to Reverchon. Yeah. So what was that, year two that or was, three? Yeah, that was 96. Yeah, so even at that point, I was still not ready for prime time. I still was all up in my own head and such a bundle of nerves all the time. So I, I don't... Yeah, even I tell. Even if, even if I had, had been... A day one I don't think it would have made a difference because I think I still would have gotten in my own way in some way. You know, but now on the ticket, because it's such a thing, 
you know, when the younger guys mess up and it's the drops. And the the e-brake. Like, it's constant now that it's accepted so much now and almost encouraged. Like, Gordon can't, he can't wait till one of them gets shake voice, just a little nervous voice, right. just a hint of it. So now it's such a thing, but you invented it. Thank you, I guess. I don't know. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> but you kind of did. Well, all I have to say <laughs> is I... I'm glad that we are where we are now, Mike. I am too. I value our friendship. I love you, man. I value our friend. I love you, and uh, I'm so proud to call you a friend. And, I'm and proud thank to you, call you a thank you too. for being here. Okay. I'm gonna cut all this out. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you need to keep all the all the mushy parts. And so now it's time for Mike's second song. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. So, so I need to, I need to look it up. You need to unveil your second song. Okay. Do you do you have a short list or do you know exactly what you're playing? Uh, there are options here. <laughs> do you want us to yeah. pick? I'm glad that you have options. So what are you feeling now? Especially um, well, let me throw what's here and you tell me what sounds best to you. Okay. How many how many are we picking from? Uh, you're gonna be picking from eight. Holy crap! Yeah. Okay. I made a list here. Okay. Um, there is a Todd Rundgren song that I enjoy quite a bit. Okay. If maybe no, High T here is a Todd Rundgren fan. Of course. There's a song by a local band, which was around here back in the halcyon days of Deep Ellum, mm -hmm. squarely in my dark period, who I subsequently have become friends with. And I remembered seeing them down in Deep Ellum back then. And I remember liking this song and it has stayed with me since then. And this band is no longer together, but they were, will still get together maybe once a year and play down at Reno's of all places okay. in Deep Ellum. Uh, we could do an Eagles deep wait, cut. Wait, what's the name of the band? The name of the band is The White Animals. Okay. All right. I'm intrigued by that. We could do an Eagles deep cut. Okay. We could do a delightful bit of synth pop from Capital Cities. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a modern jam, right? Yeah. That a very last like five to ten years. A very, yes, a very modern jam. Okay. Um, I've been on a Paul Carrick jag here lately. Yes. The career of Paul Carrick has been very amazing. I think a lot of people know Paul Carrick and don't realize that they know yes, him. Yes, they do. He's been on a lot of Yes, things. he's been a part of many songs, and he's great. I love his singing. But he's one of those guys who just never really seems to draw too much attention to himself. He does get important bands, though. He's yeah, oh, yeah. Band. I mean, he goes out with Nick Lowe. Uh -huh. or he, I don't know if Nick Lowe goes out anymore, but when he did, I saw him take Paul Carrick with him a time or two. He did Mike and the Mechanics, uh -huh. the Genesis offshoot. And there are a couple of other, other things he's done, but I've got the first time that I ever heard Paul Carrick okay. singing a song in here, which is one I'm sure you guys will remember. Okay. Um, I've got a Citizen Cope song. Oh, okay. I'm absolutely addicted to Citizen Cope, and I'm not sure why. Okay. Is that a Jordan thing? Did she get no, you on that? No, no. I happened to see him opening for the Counting Crows once. Okay. 
And ever since then, whenever he comes through here, I'm there. I'm a flat ass, no doubt about it, big fan of his. Um, I've got a Bill Withers thing. Mm-hmm. Bill Withers died not too long ago. That sent me down a wormhole of Bill Withers deep cuts. And I found so much more there than meets the eye. And a few years ago on HBO, there was this little show that they had called How to Make It in America. Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I've got the theme song from that. Who, who's the artist? Allo Black. Okay. Nice. You know, that well, took me, because I love the theme song. Yeah. He's, he's played some, uh, some TV themes before. I'm going to defer, because a lot of this stuff is like deep down the wormhole musician stuff. So I'm going to defer to Toby. Okay. I'll give you three. So we can do Todd Rundgren. Mm-hmm. Because, you know. Yeah. We can do the Paul Carrick or we can do the Bill Withers. Of those, which do you really want to hear right now, Mike? And I'm into all of those. I want to hear all of them. But for some reason, those three, because I, 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 for some reason, I want to hear the Todd Rundgren song you would play. Okay, that's fine. But Let's also do it. Bill Withers. Like, I want to hear all of the, in, of those three, which songs you would pick. And the Paul Carrick thing is throwing me. Like, which one would you pick? Um, well, if the Todd thing is really sticking out to you, I got no problem with that. Let's, Let's roll do Todd. That Let's do that. Let's roll okay. Todd. Let's find Love of the Common Men. There we go. I've been a fan of his since he was playing over at the end of Cole, which you know today is Javier's, mm-hmm. at the age of 19, with is his that first what group, na- Naz. The, the name of the place was End of Cole? Yeah. God, that's cool. And he quit the band the next day. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> the day after you saw him? Yeah. That's what I've always heard, anyway. Okay, so we're going to need to... Take a take a screenshot of your playlist because I know you got to run and you can't stick around for the after dark. But we need to play at least a couple of these: the Paul Carrick and the Bill Withers, okay, on the after dark yeah. in your honor. But this is Todd Rundgren, "Love of the Common Man." It is Mike Reiner's selection on HT Wow.
There we go. Man. There's Todd. That was good. I don't care who you are. That was good. <laughs> and that, that guy's been through so many phases. He's been through prog rock. I mean, serious space, hardcore prog rock that'll stand up beside anything Yes ever did, even if they're most proggy. <laughs> and they and, are the most proggy. And then he turns around and just gets his pop as you could possibly want. And he does all his own harmonies and everything. Yeah, pretty That's much. That's all him. That's him. Does he play everything in the studio, or does he have session guys, or does he have um, a band, or has he gone through different phases? I don't know really I, I, anything. I, I think he, I think he's gone through a lot of different phases. He does play a lot of it, a lot of it himself. But the last few times I've seen him, and I do go see him every time he rolls through here, no matter what, if I can. But the last few times I've seen him, he's had a pretty stable unit with him. And he's got one guy, Kasim Sultan, who has been his shotgun rider for, God, 30 years now. Maybe longer than that. And Kasim plays bass in the Todd scene, but he's also a great guitar player himself. Hmm. And got his own scene working out there, too. So he can still, vocals. He's oh, yeah. Still, oh, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, he can still sing it. God, that'd be cool. How old is he? He's a few years older than me. He can still hit. That's uh, yeah, because that's the thing. It's such a smooth voice. Yeah, you know, to get it, it's velvety. It's I mean, velvety. the guy, the guy is just he. He's a marvel. He always has been. He's he. He was like a project, a prodigy. Back did then. him not a progeny. Did he ever go uh, cross paths with Michael McDonald? I feel like they've surely. Um, I don't know if they ever did anything together, but I'll bet they've played a few Yacht Rock shows together. <laughs> I'm sure they have, but I always feel like any backup at any point, Michael McDonald just kind of sneaks in the studio and sings right. backup for everybody. Yeah, he just kind of shows up. I, I feel you like did, you he would have done that. Yeah, yeah. He's such a good, you know, his voice, he can do it. Um, I feel like they would have crossed paths at some point. But, I mean, I don't know of one. I figured you would know if that ever I mean, I think we picked the right one. I definitely want to hear the Michael Carrick thing. And we'll play that on the After Dark. But did I get the name wrong? Paul. Paul Carrick. Sorry. Let me me get it clean so you can fix it. it. Three, two, one. I'm really into the Paul Carrick thing. I want to hear that later. But I think we picked the right one. Yeah. Remember when you said Michael before? Shut up. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I'm trying to impress Mike. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. You're ruining it. Hi, Toby. Come on, hi, T. Uh, Paul Carrick, has, he has such a, a lead vocal guy thing. But he's also bland. Well, he, he's, he's got a bland look. Yeah. So he's never yeah, really... There, yeah, there's never... I, I've seen him play live a few times. And until... A lot of the time, until he's introduced... You don't know who it is. I don't know. He could be walking down the street at any moment. No one would know who the hell he is. You could show me a lineup of 10 white dudes and I could not pick him out. I have no idea who this guy is. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah, he's a black guy, but that's okay. cool. I mentioned earlier on the show at the at the top that uh, we booked Mike ages ago. I think, I think that we were the first show to actually book you post-retirement 
even though we're the last show to actually have you on. Yeah, but that's because it's we're, it takes planning for this. this right. Is, look how much. Look at these microphones. Yeah, I know. This is intense. This is no fly-by-night operation you got no, here. It took five not at months all. to set this up. So you've done uh, many guest spots on many different podcasts, many different radio shows, many different TV shows. As I said, you, you've been doing a victory lap now for nine months, but your non-compete finally ran out. And did you have it in your mind that you always wanted to do a podcast or how did Square One with Mike Reiner come about? I had it in my mind that if I did anything, that was probably where I was going to wind up. When I stepped away from the radio station, I didn't have anything in the works. I didn't know if anybody would want me to do anything. I mean, I really thought that in the perception of most people, this would be just an old radio hack giving it up and trundling off into the sunset, and that would be that. But that changed like um, probably two days in after the video dropped. Mm -hmm. When The Athletic got a hold of me. Your inbox started filling up. Yeah, and The Athletic got a hold of me and said, you know, let's talk. And I'm a big fan of The Athletic. Yeah. The Athletic does some great stuff. And I thought, okay, The Athletic wants to talk to me. We'll see what's going on here. But I didn't know what it was about. So I got together with them at the landing with the two guys that operate the thing here. One is Or Moyal, who yeah. you may you may know. Mm-hmm. The other is Kent Garris. And I was got together with them. And I'm like, well, what do you guys have in mind here? Or do, you, do you want me to write for you or what? Because I never have written too much sports. Mm-hmm. You know, I've written a lot of other stuff, a lot of music stuff but I've never written too much sports. And they said, no, we want you in our podcast space. Yeah. Cause they, they, they grew as a, you know, very, uh, focused, like local focused sports content. Yeah. Written content. Yeah. And they've since kind of started to branch out into podcasts and different kinds of content other than just the the articles and the in-depth kind of breakdowns, you know, more than you get from the daily newspaper type stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really nice supplement to the daily newspaper. Not to, you know, knock the daily newspaper or what those guys do or anything like that, but the athletic is a, that they have the the leeway to go far more in-depth on anything they would like, more so than the guys at at the dailies do. Anyway, they're telling me that they want me in their podcast space. I'm going, okay, well, I mean, I heard that and I was thinking, well, I don't know if I really want to do a big sports podcast. And I, I said that to him. I said, no, 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 we don't want that. We want what's on Mike's mind. And I'm That's like, right. okay, yeah. all right, now that I can do. That I can get behind. Right. And that's kind of the basic model of it. They said, now we do want you on some of our sports stuff, but we don't want your whole thing here to be based around that. Are you going into a facility to do this or are you doing it from your house? Um, most of the time when I do it, I do it from the house. That's awesome. So you just yeah. have a setup and you're good to go. 
Uh, yeah, or, or if there's going to be somebody else there. Mm-hmm. Usually we get together at my place and the guy from The Athletic comes over and he essentially does what you do, although your system is <laughs> a bit more involved than, than that. <laughs> I'd love to see Because after doing. all, you are high T. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I might have gone overboard, but that's just what. Well, it's you're doing about. it right, man. You're doing it right. I'm much respect here. I can't believe any of this works, and all of this might not be recorded at all. But we'll no, see I, when I, I get I, back. I off. see it working. I know, but this could explode at any moment. So, but I think that that's cool. So you get to do it from your place. You don't have to go. There's no there, facility. There, no, that, there's no facility or anything okay. like that. And I've probably seen or maybe twice since that night. And so awesome. when they announced it, they said that you, you're you on the hook for at least one a month or one every other week, but otherwise it's just whenever you have something on your mind or yeah. whenever you have a guest that you want to talk to, it's totally up to you, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, that's basically the premise that I've been working on. And when they want something from me, they tell me. And when they want me in on some of their other podcasts, we do that. Like we went over the Cowboys... 60 greatest players of all time list a couple of weeks ago. Where did Charlie Waters make it? Um, he was probably in the... He 30- was on it, for sure? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's definitely on it. I'm just, I don't know. Is he on it? God, that kills me. I can't believe you just asked him top six. I don't know. 60 is a lot. But it's not very many when you have as many great yeah, players as Charlie the Waters was really good for I mean, a long I'm, time. I'm and he's hot, too. He, he is hot. hot. Yeah, he's no, hot. He's still, still, he's hot. Still, he's hot. 32. 30-ish. Yeah, somewhere around Made there. Made in the 30s. Yeah. Okay, good. I don't know why I needed to know that, but I have to know where he is. Mar- Marissa could have uh, hooked up with one of Charlie Waters' kids. Or maybe you did. I don't remember. No, uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, it's an, it's awkward to hook up at a funeral. God, and your life is so crazy. And Elitist and Charlie Waters suggested that he introduced me to his son. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. So things could have been totally different. You could have had Boy, super sure kids. Have. I mean, just, these kids would have been able to jump over a building. I know, right? <laughs> it's okay. She could have... She could... Never mind. Okay, so let's not even get it. All right, so so uh, the, the athletic, like the 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 written content, is premium content. But is the is your podcast free, or I think so. Is it behind the paywall? I, I, you know, I'm really not sure. I think it's free, but I'm not sure. I know it's out there on Google and or on Spotify and and a couple of other places where they have podcasts. All Apple the all and, the things. Yeah, all the things. All it's, the things it, on the Giga. Yeah, it's out there. It's out there on them, so I hope people will get with the program and check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, look it up. It is, uh, I'm looking at my paper, square one with Mike Reiner. Yes. How, did, how did you come up with that, or did they make you um, name it that? They like that name. Yeah. I wanted something else, but all the ones that I wanted are already taken. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of good pod- podcast names that are taken. There are about a billion podcasts. That's why we can't get any traction. The Nobleman. Yeah, we, oh yeah, God. we're gonna rebrand H two O as the Nobleman. Yeah, I love that. It's like we can wear more fancier, awesome. like fancy outfits. I know. We get suits. Something with frills. Okay, it's time to uh, round up the uh, abridged Tears for Fears book report. And so you had mentioned that 
the songs from the big chair is when you became aware right that was of the first tears for, tears fears. for fears output that and i that's when heard. i became aware that's when everyone became aware because that song had or sorry that album had so many hits for them to go from the hurting which was a great record but the step up songs you know, from the big chair is huge especially if you have hits on your first record to do what they did on the second record I mean, I mean not, not only huge as in popularity, but it just sounds huge. It's amazing. It might be one of the best sounding records ever. But you're going a, a, a little bit of a deeper cut. For some reason, this song, and I, I don't mind a saxophone. How do you feel about the saxophone? I love the saxophone. I don't mind the saxophone. And for a new wave band, for them to kind of have a beginning, this is after the song Shout... For them to have this sort of a, of a beginning of a tune was weird for me, but I love it. Do you know this? Do you know the Working Hour? You'll recognize. Yeah, it there, there's a lot of their stuff that I'm not quite up to speed, wise, title wise, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'll bet I've heard this. Yeah, I bet you've oh, heard yeah. this. Oh yeah, instantly, one. instantly. Let's get it.
Let it ring out. Let it let it ring out. Okay. Isn't that a good jam? It's the old FM radio way. I know. It's such a good jam. That's a great tune. Man, they uh you know, it's like they grew up. Yeah, we well, as soon as we started playing it, I was just like, man, as you said, setting it up, it's such a bait and switch to go from shout to that. It's crazy. Well, the main thing was shout was a throwaway, so that came at the very end. They they didn't right. The record company was like, we need another single. They were yeah, we don't really hear anything, so they just made shout up just to kind of put a thing. But they that wasn't supposed to be a song on the record. Because they didn't hear everybody wants to rule the world and the other big one, um, uh, ding, dun, 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 no. dun, 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 head dun, over dun, heels. Dun. Yes, yeah. I mean that's the one that I think that Roland thought was going to send them into the stratosphere. Like he, for him, yeah, that's the that hit was on the hit. record. Yeah, but it ended up, and being that's probably shout. my favorite on the set. Oh, the, it's a mega album. song. Okay, so before we let you go, because we have taken up so much of your time and we thank you uh we we, this has flown by we talked about this earlier the fact that you have lived so many lives that your life has had so many acts that you know of course you have your childhood and your early band days then you have the zoo days then you kind of have the in-between days then you have the ticket days and then within the ticket days you have your latter day band days and now you have this you know kind of victory lap uh second career or third career so when you look back like do you ever wonder like how did i get here oh yeah all the time i mean is this really that skinny nerdy kid from oak cliff (laughs) I mean, is that is this really me? I think about that all the time, man. I do. God, that's so great. Yeah, it's it's been it's been unbelievable. It's just been a a story that if you knew me back then and didn't have any idea what had happened to me or anything like that. And somebody told you how it all came down and where I wound up. You just go, man, I never saw that coming. Right? Yeah. Do you feel like still doing the band stuff like that is the perfect release? Like you have to have that to keep yourself yeah, sane? Yeah, that's what I wanted to get to is when, when did the idea germinate in the back of your head that I want to do music again? that I, I need to be part of a band and what made you pick Petty? Was Petty the first one? Yeah, Petty was the first one. Petty was what I wanted to do. But that's a real great question because once I stopped playing in bands, that was it. Mm-hmm. I was done. What year was that where you were like, I'm not doing this anymore? Um, that probably would have been... Um, 89 or so, 88, 89. I just about, it kind of dwindled out yeah. even then because I was playing a lot of country gigs and stuff. Not oh, that man. I'm... We all say it after every loadout. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm never doing this. Yeah. 
And not that I mind doing <laughs> so many beaten down yeah, nights. So many beaten down nights. Like this is the. It last. Can take this it is out not of you, fun man. anymore. It really can, especially if you're a drummer. There's so much more stands and the cases and the oh hardware. God. Yeah. Oh gosh. And then you symbols. The guitar player shows up with his stupid guitar and then a little, you know, he has yeah, his a little, little twin amp. reverb and. Oh, I'm set up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ready to go. <laughs> Ready to go. Yeah, jerks. So what was it that triggered the, you know, what I, Man, I, th- I think I can do this again? I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just started listening to a lot of Tom Petty music. And the thing about him for me is that his mu- music has always spoken to me because there was something in there that I could relate to. And as I learned more about him and learned more about his matriculation, I I think I figured out what that was. I'm 65 days older than him, than he would have been. And when he was down there in Gainesville, Florida, or when I was, you know, like playing in bands when I was a teenager and stuff like that, he was in Gainesville, Florida doing about the same thing. And it sounds like a lot of the gigs he was playing were about the same gigs that I was playing. And I don't know, I just felt a real strong uh, cosmic uh, kinship, if not brotherhood, with him on the way that we came up. Also, his upbringing was similar to mine. He had a real hard ass of a dad, so did I, that was not on board with that. Same here. His mother was a very docile, gentle, loving soul. Same here. And there were a lot of things that that I think we had in common. Now, I don't know that because I don't know him. I never met him. You asked never... him a question at the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, I did do that. But I'm sure he, uh, I'm sure that registered on with him for all of <laughs> five seconds. <laughs> It's still good, though. I love it. Oh, it is. It is. It's great. It's so great. But I started getting into his music and deeper into his music, and I don't know, something said, you know, if you wanted to, you could do this. So did you, did you like, pick up the guitar and start to learn his songs yeah. before you were like, okay, I could I could yeah, perform I these. I could get a band and so you we could, could play put it together. Before. Yeah, I, I could always yeah. mess around on the guitar a little bit. Okay. I'm not good, but... You know, I'm kind of a, a chords drummer and rhythm player, yeah. you know? I mean, I know some other stuff than that, but they don't let me do it in the band. <laughs> you don't want to do that. No, stuff. no, I don't I don't want to do that, especially... They, just, they that just turn you down in the mix? Yeah, no, just, well, especially... Be the rhythm guy. They're, especially in view of the guys we have. Yeah, you got I, some ringers. Yeah, I, well, I mean, all of those guys, or most of those guys are time wasters. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't hang with them. Mm-hmm. So... I'm very happy to get the acoustic guitar up there and strum the chords, provide a little background hum, fill out the sound a little bit, and let them do the heavy lifting. But yeah, I got a guitar and started learning some of the stuff. And before long, I was thinking band. Who was the first uh, member of Petty Theft? Rodney Wall was the first member. Rodney was a guy that I had big history with back in the day. And one day... I mean, I hadn't acted on this or anything, but one day I got a, I believe 
instant messages is what we were doing back then at the time. I got an instant message from him one day saying, hey, Ryan's, I really am digging the, the show and I'm enjoying watching all the success you guys have had and everything like that. And I just thought, huh. Thanks, Rodney. Would you be interested in putting a Tom Petty band together? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and he's like, that's that weird. Is, that I was is, just talking about that. That is seizing opportunity. Yeah. I mean, that is your yes. whole life right yes, there. that is. Just the cosmic intersection yes. and so striking great. when the iron's hot. Yes, that's exactly it. So he was the first one that we recruited, and from there, the other original members, alas, none of them are still in the band today, uh-huh. but the rest of the in- original members came in one by one. Some of them made it. Others either decided they didn't want to do it or thought it was never going to get anywhere or they just weren't into playing anymore or whatever, but we were still able to form enough of a foundation to where we could you know, get more guys. Mm-hmm. And we got it up and running and kept it going and started adding in better guys when guys would drop out. Every time that we made a personnel move, we've always improved the band. And and it, it, it wound up where it is today. And so you've also, it's all the same guys, right? But you've also spun off and done a bird's cover band you've yeah. done a dylan cover band yeah we did anybody a, else uh, that i'm forgetting it. that's it if you Just did so, if you did somebody else who would you do um i'd love to do steely dan god that's tough though that's uh yeah. you have to get the right players oh yeah one. you do you do have to get the right that players is, uh that's different from just uh, a pop band thing yeah that's, it uh, is there used to be a steely dan cover band around here called naked launch What's so awesome is you could uh, you could maybe get the bass player in Fort Worth that was on a bunch of those records. Doesn't he live over there? I think he does. You could yeah. maybe get him to actually be in it. Wow. He just, was the first just, uh, one just to send this pod yeah, to him. Chuck yeah, Rainey. Chuck Rainey. Is he still alive, right? Surely. I think so. Yeah. I haven't heard about the passing of the great Chuck Rainey. We would Rainey. have heard I'm about sure that. I'm sure I would. We would yeah. have heard about that. I want to meet him, though. But Naked Lunch used to play around here quite a bit, and I loved watching them play and occasionally they'd let me come up and sing a song or two with them God, why do I feel like Chris Holtz in that was he in that no he was not in Naked Lunch okay um, probably, but he could play it instantly like could, they could invite him up if, if the guitar player broke his arm and Chris Holt was in the crowd he could just jump up there and oh, play and everything he, and he he's would, doing this Don Henley thing now he's, yeah. he's, he's past everything yeah, he, but he would relish the opportunity to do that maybe you could start an Eagles cover band with Don Henley Maybe I could. Maybe he's looking for a little something to do when he's not on <laughs> <Right>? tour. <laughs> he's looking for Play some the people barley to house. Yell. He's Why looking not? for some people to yell at. <laughs> Get so pissed all the time. Uh, well, this has been awesome, Ryan. Is there is there anything else that you want to get off your chest before we let you go? I think we've covered just about everything, man. We've we I'm have totally meandered. Out of shit tonight. We we have meandered. Mike, this has been a pleasure. I'm glad that we finally got it done. Uh, It's been a dream of ours to have you on the show because not only are you a a cool dude and a guy that we look up to, but you also have great taste in music and you are a music lover just like us. 
And I think all of our HTWOW P1s will enjoy what you brought to the pod, not only the stories, but the jams. And so it's been awesome. Well, it has been awesome. I've really enjoyed it. And I can't thank you boys enough for having me. And I'm glad this finally came about. Michael. David. Man, you know, I felt like... I felt like we were... uh, we were going to get hammered together and we were going to get like sloppy drunk rhymes and it was going to be hilarious in that sense but i think stone cold laser focused verbose rhymes is the better rhymes that we could have possibly imagined for this pod and so uh well, everything we'll, everything's we'll worked out perfect. Let me fall off the wagon and we'll yeah. do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll let do us that. know. Let us know as soon as that happens, and then we'll book you again. All right. And we'll make you stick around for the after dark. Yes. Patrons, uh, we will play some of Ryan's jams, but we're also going to go deep into Tears for Fears and uh, other random stuff. Please go to patreon.com and search up HTWOW or go to oldwaver.com and click premium and become a subscriber just five bucks a month and you can help us buy more microphones um what else did you say that we needed to buy pop screens pop screens yeah Yeah, we need new pop screens we need all kinds of stuff koozies we need like necklaces these boys need stuff all right thank you so much htwp ones for listening this has been a marathon one, but I think uh, it's been well worth it. Mike Reiner, most recently of the ticket, but currently of Square One with Mike Reiner. Search that up on your podcast player of choice. We will see you next month on HTL. Thanks for being here. You did such a good job with that fade out, Dave. That was really good. You nailed it at the end of the song. What a pro.